morning. Oh, wait a minute. I had an announcement. Widow's luncheon tomorrow at 12. Okay, I think the last time we were here, we had like 756 people. I pulled into the church. There were no parking spaces. And I asked uh, Miss Peggy, I said, so what am I in trouble for? Uh, I'm, I didn't make it, evidently. She said, oh, that's the, the, the widow's group. So it's a wonderful, successful thing. Please come. Please come and be a part of it. So if you're a widow or if you're thinking about hurting your partner, <laughs> they have a support group about that. So please come check that out. It's good. On second thought, <laughs> Mrs. Peggy, I think you were right. <laughs> I love my little gnome. Okay. Today, the message that I believe that God would have for us to share with one another, we're going to be looking at the weapons of our warfare, the weapons of our warfare fighting with God's weapons. And I think I'm on, no, I'm not on screen. Okay. Well, we'll get you. Oh, I am. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I believe that as Christians, or let me rephrase, I have seen among Christians so much that the enemy desires to do, so much that he wants to destroy he wants to, if he can't do anything else, he really wants to make you ineffective. He does not want you shining with the light that Jesus Christ has placed in you. He doesn't want you to heal people. He doesn't want you to help and to care. He doesn't want you to be his hands or his feet. And especially he doesn't want you to be his heart or his voice. So what he tries to do is he tries to, in some way, disrupt, to trouble, to uh, in some way put that stumbling block in your path so that you struggle. Now maybe, and I believe that all people have something that they struggle with. That's just been the norm. It really has. I have yet to find somebody that doesn't say there's an area of my life that God is working me, with me on. So there's always something that God is dealing with in our lives, but it seems that more than ever, the family the family as a whole is being crippled. It's the enemy attacking, is trying to take um, what God has created to be sacred, and he is just absolutely tearing families and lives apart. And he's taking the fabric, the fabric of what God said was precious and holy in the family, the husband and the wife, the children being a part of that. And the proper relationship within the family is being attacked as well. But now you go outside the family. There are all kinds of things that bombard us on the outside. People are struggling with anger. People don't understand why they can't have relationships with another person because something is always sabotaging. Something is always going wrong. Why isn't there love whenever we know in their hearts there should be love? There's substance issues there's all kinds of things that the enemy would love for people to have addictions and struggles with to consume or at least for a portion of our life 
to, to, to really whittle away at who we are. But it all serves the same purpose. The enemy does not want you to shine. To shine. Let me say that again. He does not want you to shine. He does not want you to bear that image that God placed within you. You believe it or not. And I say this again and again, but it bears needing repeating. You bear the image of almighty God. There is not another creation exactly like you. And I'm talking about humanity, male and female. You were created in his image for his purpose. You bear his nature and his light to this world. You are a testimony of the greatness of God. Now, we can choose to use that nature. We can choose to use what God has given us and we can waste it. We can take our abilities as human beings and we can choose to cut and to hurt. We can be that instrument, and I hate to say this, but we can be that instrument that the devil uses to hurt other people, to tear out of other people's lives or in some way harm, cripple them, stagnate other people from becoming what they should be. And how a horrible, think about it, fix that really is. What a horrible situation that really is, that we, supposed to be uh, called by God, uh, designed, created to be the hope and light of God in this world, and yet we become the darkness and the very thing that tears human beings apart. That's scary, people. That's scary, but that's not God's intention. There is whether people believe it or whether people recognize it, the devil, darkness, however you want to phrase it, is always at war with the human soul. Evil is not happy to remain as it is. Evil craves to grow. It wants to consume. When the Bible says that Satan... Okay, the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy. If you think about it, think about it. Steal, kill, destroy, destroy there. There's a progression there to rob you of something, to, to, to kill something, to have something die, and then ultimately to lay waste to everything that is there, to destroy. That's what he does. And that is exactly what sin does in our lives. It doesn't want to just, okay, I've got one little issue that I'm dealing with. No, it wants to grow. It wants to consume. It wants to find fertile ground in your heart where it can continue to grow and to do exactly what it wants to do. So the response is this. In your heart, is that what you want? I'm not saying that you're not going to have struggles in your life. You certainly are. And as God, sometimes he does not tempt us to sin, but the Bible does say that he allows us to be tested from time to time to see who we are. It's where we get the idea of having our metal tested, what we're really made of. But we as human beings, where are you? Are you okay with what is happening in your life? Are you okay with what is happening in your family? Are you okay with what you see going on around you and also in your extended family? Or are you at a place 
where, where you say, I'm tired of this. I'm tired of what I'm seeing. I'm tired of what is happening in my life. I'm tired of what is happening in my family, my extended family, in my place of work or business. I'm not even happy with what's going on inside of me. Now, I'm not saying that this is of all of you because many of you have been in the battle. Many of you do understand what spiritual warfare is. You understand the weapons. But there are many many that have yet to really get involved in the battle and they're not really seeing what Satan's doing. They don't really see what he's after. If you want, if you want freedom, if you want grace, if you want help, if you want to overcome, this is going to sound very simplistic, but listen to me. You cannot overcome the enemy, his attacks, and all those other things simply in your own strength. You're not going to be able to do it. Now, does God expect you to stand up? Yes, he does. Does he expect you to use what you got? Yes, absolutely. He expects you to do your best to say no. But ultimately, whenever it comes down to it, human strength is not enough. This is a spiritual battle that is going on. And the question is, do you want to fight? Do you want to win? Do you want to gain? Do you want to in some way overcome and be better? And not just for yourself, but what about for your families? What about for those people that you're going to be going to? People, it's hard to go and help people that are uh, struggling in sin whenever you are so bound up you don't know what to do. If you don't know which way is up, you can't lead them that way. But I will tell you this, sermons like this, the enemy does not like. He doesn't like them at all. He would prefer for people to believe some lies. One, I cannot change, or I will not change. That's a better way of phrasing that. By God's grace, of course, we can change. But the idea is, goes beyond. It's, it's that I will not change. I will not be able to overcome. I can't do this. I never will be able to do this, so why bother? You know, if God, here's another lie. If God loved me, he would make it easy. God would make it to where I would pray. You know, scripture like, you know, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And we could say that greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. The Bible says that if we resist the enemy steadfast in the faith, he will flee from us. And we want to pray those things and then believe that the enemy just walks away, doesn't have anything else to do with us, not coming back. He's not going to attack. And I've got news for you. Jesus Christ himself, whenever Satan came to him and was putting him, I mean, through some horrible temptations here. If you read through the Gospels, it says when Satan left him, it didn't say forever. It says he left him until a more opportune time. And that was the son of God telling him to get lost. So, but what do you do? What does it mean? Well, grab your Bibles and let's look at something that you already know and then we're going to get into a story and we're probably going to look at a few other things. Second Corinthians chapter 10. Here's the one that everybody quotes, but it's something that we have to understand. If you do not recognize this, and people, I'm not claiming to be the, the, the guru whenever it comes to this stuff, but I can tell you this, I have been 
punched, kicked, stomped by the enemy so many times in my life, I'm beginning to understand a little bit about how he works. I'm not a master of it, but I know failure. And hopefully I can help you to overcome some of that failure because I've done it a lot. But listen to this. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 6, it says, For though we do, well, let me say, for though we walk in the flesh, you are a human being. That's what it's saying. You are a human being. We do walk in a flesh and blood body. But even though we do walk in a flesh and blood body, we do not war according to the flesh. In other words, if I went up to you and gave you a baseball bat and you're going to fight spiritual forces of wickedness, it is not going to do you much good. That weapon is ineffective against them. This is a battle that is fought here, 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 and also with our bodies in general. But primarily, it is a battle of faith that is in the, I guess you'd say, the battleground of our hearts and our minds. But anyway, for weapons, it says, we do not war according to the flesh, For the weapons of our warfare are not flesh and blood weapons, okay? They're not carnal, but they're mighty weapons in God for pulling down strongholds. Now, the idea of a stronghold is not just simply somebody that's there that's saying they don't want to leave. In other words, many times what you are being attacked with is something that the enemy has been working on you, your family, a situation for a while, and he has got himself ingrained in there, okay? It's going to take a little more than Lysol to get this stain out, okay? So, but they're mighty, mighty in God, For pulling down strongholds, it can be done. Where the enemy is entrenched, the weapons that we will use are able to tear those strongholds down. It can happen and will happen if we're using his weapons. Now listen to some of these things that he adds in here. Casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. People, that's... Whenever you think about spiritual warfare, all the time we're thinking just about a demon or, you know, some difficult situation that's being influenced by the powers of darkness. Listen to me. The battle, the most powerful weapon as far as I am concerned, and I believe that this bears out in Scripture. If you look at Satan, where is his power? I want you to think about that for a minute. Is it because he he comes to you looking like this grotesque creature? No, according to the scripture, he often appears as an angel of light. He wants you to think that he's all good. But what does he do? His weapon's right here. It's his mouth. It's a lie. Satan literally makes the nations tremble because of lies. People will believe lies. And then they act upon those lies. Because it's kind of like in the Garden of Eden. You go back there. You know, did God tell you that you can eat of all these trees in the garden? No, actually God says we can eat of all the trees in the garden, but there's one. There's one he's reserved for himself. It's called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he says, just stay away from that tree. He says, because on the day we eat of it, we will surely die. Now, catch the next part. You will not surely 
die. Deception. Oh, the only reason God doesn't want you to have this tree is because he knows that whenever you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. I wonder how things would have changed if Eve would have simply looked at him, looked at him and, and just bear with me here, people. Don't judge me too cruelly. But think about this. She just looked at him and said, what? Wait a minute. God just told us no. He said, yes, this would happen. And devil, just being frank with you, you're full of mud. God has never withheld anything from us that has been good. And God is telling us now something's bad for us. Why would we even want to chance that? As far as we're concerned, you can get out of the garden. Things might have been a whole lot different. Somebody to call his bluff. But the fact is still the same. That's what he does. He lies to people. He tells you that you can't overcome. He tells you that uh, what you're facing is just something that you just have to live with and deal with. He tells you that there's no hope. He tells you that there's no peace. He tells you all of these things. And, and he'll also make you believe that if you're going to survive, if you're going to overcome, if you can't overcome it yourself, then it's not going to be overcome. And he tries to do everything to get your eyes off of God and also to take away your faith in trusting and believing God for that which we cannot see with our own eyes. Now, going back to the scripture, it says another thing for pulling down strongholds, that's God's weapons are mighty for pulling down strongholds. Verse 5, casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. People, that's what we must do. That battleground of the mind. One of the major problems, one of the major issues within humankind is we entertain garbage. We allow this stuff into our minds and we begin to believe all this stuff. We've got so many people today that are walking around in this world that have found the secret answer. You know, something that, that nobody else has ever seen before. They've come up with this secret knowledge, this secret way of living. And if you just do it this way, you're going to be happy. Well, you know why they're... I guess you would say they're peddling happiness because a lot of people are not happy. You're going to be happy. You're going to be wealthy because after all, we have to stroke the flesh, right? And you're going to have it together and doggone it, people are going to like you because you're going to have this law of attraction. They've got all these things that they're putting out there and they're telling people, you know, this is how you gain all of these things. And you know something? Jesus isn't in a bit of it. Because whenever you introduce Jesus into a situation, you have to consider what does Jesus feel about this? Is this a good thing for my life? Am I simply seeking things for my flesh or to gra the gratification of my flesh? Or is this something that God genuinely wants for me? Or is this something I should desire at all? But the Bible tells us, cast down that garbage. When you encounter anything that goes against the Word of God or goes against the nature of your Savior, it says, cast it down and get rid of it. Let me tell you something. Whenever it comes to spiritual warfare, there's a few things you need to know. Number one, you look at me like, wow, get this. 
number one, you need to know the Word of God. Now, I'm not saying that you have to have it mastered because I know of no one, I don't care how many degrees you have, that has mastered the Word of God. I think one day we're going to go to heaven and God's absolutely going to get tickled with us whenever we stand up and say, but Lord, your Word said, really? Really? But God, this is what the Word... Hello. I think God looks at it and said, you, you did pretty good, but you kind of blew it on some stuff. But things that run counter to the heart of God, if we don't know his word, how do we know God's heart? How do we know what God has commanded if we don't know his word? If we are not communing with God, if we're not spending time in prayer, just loving and worshiping, I'm not talking about asking for things, maybe if you're asking to know God, but I'm saying just spend some time loving him. That's worship. Just spend time, just like a small child going up to somebody and saying, you know, I just want to be with you for a while. Or your spouse coming to you and saying, I just want to be with you to talk to you, to spend some time. Or if we're not going to say anything, I just want to be close to you and hold your hand. Try that with God. Just say, God, I want to be close to you. Please reveal yourself to me that I might know you. Please show me, God, who you really are, your nature, what you desire of me. And what you will find is that the Word of God will come alive. That which you have studied, God will make it breathe into you. And whenever somebody introduces a lie, you will not only be able to say, that's not the Word of God, but you will also be able to say, wait a minute, that's not even the nature of God. And I'm going to tell you something that sounds really weird, but it's true. Somebody will say, you know, they'll say something, and I'll say, that's not the nature of God. And they'll say, how do you know? Uh, because I know God. I was with him today. He's with me now, but I actually spoke with him today. And his Holy Spirit says, that's not right. What I'm saying is in intimacy with God, you are better equipped to recognize when the enemy is trying to pull the wool over your eyes. So it says in here, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, that's something that I work on every day. There are things that will pop into my head or I'll begin thinking on things and, or I'll be remembering things over history, things that have happened in my life. And sometimes it just kind of keeps playing back over and over. And I get to the place, I'm like, whoa, where, where is this garbage coming from? And whenever I realize that something that is coming into my mind is not of God, that's whenever you say, wait a minute, no more. This, hey, profound, get this, this is not of God. And I begin saying within my heart, this, though, is the will of God. This is how I will treat this individual. This is how I'll respond to that. Then he will say, but that person was ugly. That person hurt your feeling. That person is going in an opposite direction than you are, and they're trying to drag people with them. And do you know what? My flesh wants to say, yeah, I'm going to go give them a piece of my mind and a right foot of fellowship. That's what I want to do. But in reality, God tells me the battle is mine. Pray for them. Pray for them. Pray for them. Yeah, but God, I don't want you to do good things to them. Listen to the flesh. That's the flesh. I don't want good things for them. I hope they stomp their toe on the way home. Yeah, that's Jesus all the way. You know, you can just feel him all over. No, pray for them. 
Pray for them that God is able to move in their hearts and convict them of their sins and that they respond. And here's another thing. God, if there be any sin in me, convict me that I be changed. But you have to grab on to those things. Don't just sit there and let that garbage grow in your mind and grow in your heart. You don't allow those things. When you see something going on, okay, okay, example time. Let's say you get snippy. Anybody in here gets, don't lift up your hand. Let's say you get snippy, maybe even on Sunday morning. I would love to see the hands, I would. But anyway, let's say on Sunday morning you get snippy or you're often snippy with your family or you get upset and you don't understand why anger rises up within you all the time. Well, let me tell you something. Maybe that's you because you need to get a grip on some things and you need to stop being ugly. That's just the way it is. Maybe you're just a mean person and you need Jesus. But let's say you are a Christian and you recognize that it's an issue. What do you do? What happens when those things start coming into your mind? Do you just lay them out there to where the other person can feel it and they can be hurt? They can understand how uh, silly that you think they sound? Or, let's be honest, you know, that sounds stupid. Is that what you do? Or do you for a minute recognize, hold on, this person is not stupid. This person is my spouse. This person is my son. This person is my daughter. I'm not going to talk about dad. He'd get angry at me. But the thing is, is I have to stop. And I have to say, no, I'm not responding that way. I'm going to choose to be nice. I'm going to choose to listen. I'm going to choose not to be that person. And you know what's weird is on the inside of me, I can feel that thing, whatever it is, getting real agitated. It doesn't like it. It does not like being voiced. Well, bless his heart. I'm not. And here's another thing. Do the opposite. Say something kind. Say something merciful. Say something loving. Say something that matters. Say something that has a positive consequence to it. Murder that thought. Bring it into captivity, into the obedience of Jesus Christ. If you're being tempted to sin or if, God, if you're trying to step outside of what God intends for you, you explain to it, no, no, a thousand times no, and then you start doing the opposite. Opposite. Make your body, bring it into submission to the Spirit of God, to the will of God. And you say, you can do that? Yes, yes, you can. By God's grace, you certainly can. You've got to. Otherwise, the enemy's just going to run around and beat your brains in. You might as well fight back. Now, so it goes on to say, bring every thought in captivity to obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. In other words, once you're fully obedient, then they'll deal with all the others in that particular area that were not being obedient. Okay, Acts chapter 16. Let me walk you through a spiritual... Uh, I think the next time I preach, I'll actually look at um, Ephesians. We won't have time to do it today. But Acts chapter 16, and this is 16 through 31. I'm going to move real quick through this. Some of you say amen. <laughs> but I want you to see spiritual warfare in, in a couple of different ways. God bless the reading of God's word. The Paul and Silas here. 
It says here, now it happened as we, Paul and Silas, went to prayer. So they're going to pray. People, I don't have to point out each one of these, but I'm going to tell you, if you're going to have any success in spiritual warfare, you need to be communing with God. You need to make sure that you're built up on your most holy faith, communing and loving the Lord. But anyway, so they were in prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination, in other words, she could predict and soothsay and do a lot of things. This was demonic. That a girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. So people would come wanting to know how things are going to turn out. She would give them information because she was demonically empowered and she brought her masters much, much money. So they were using. Now, I don't know which is worse, being possessed or having somebody use you while you are possessed. I think, I think that's pretty cold as well. So anyway, verse 17, this girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, listen to this, what she said, these men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. Now, for most of us, we would think that was a good banner, right? We'd have a banner up here to say, this is the church that shows us the way of salvation. Pastors here are preaching the truth. And we'd be like, woo, we want that person in our congregation, right? Except that what she's doing is mocking them. The demon is actually mocking. These are supposedly the servants of the Most High God. They're going to proclaim to us the way of salvation. And anyway... This goes on for a while. Nothing's done immediately. Verse 18, And this she did for many days, but Paul greatly annoyed. Has anyone here ever been greatly annoyed? If you haven't been, hang tight. By the time this service is over, you will be with me. But anyway, <clears throat> Paul greatly annoyed turned and said to the girl, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. And he came out that very hour. So he rebukes his spirit, casts the spirit out. She's free. This is spiritual warfare in its most, uh, I'd say, direct power encounter level. A spirit has revealed itself. The Holy Spirit has risen up within you, and it is a direct, what some people call a power encounter, but you are directly addressing the problem and cast out the Spirit. Verse 19, but when our masters saw that their hope of profit was gone, notice, they're like, wait a minute, whoa, she can't do this service for us anymore. So they knew that it was the demon. When they realized it was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. Verse 20. And they brought them to the magistrates and said, These men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city. Of course, that's what they're going to say. And they teach customs which are not lawful for us being Romans, because early on, now I know we've talked about this before, Romans had many religions that they recognized. As long as your religion was recognized, it was considered to be a licit religion. Christianity was not accepted yet. Judaism was. Christianity was called a religio illicitos, an illicit religion. So they're trying to play on that. Not lawful for us being Romans to receive or observe. 
Verse 22, then the multitude rose up against them and the magistrates tore off their robes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. So I want you to get this for a minute. So here you go, fulfilling as best you can by the guidance of the Holy Spirit, the Great Commission. You are going to minister. You're going to share Jesus Christ. And you encounter somebody who is bound in darkness by a demon. And so you allow this to go on a while until the Holy Spirit says enough is enough. And you turn around and you look at this woman who is bound and you want her to be free. And you cast this demon out. So literally a miracle has taken place. Jesus Christ, the kingdom of God, has kicked this demon off of its throne. It's off. And now this woman is set free. Well, nobody rejoices, but rather they get angry. You see the enemy still at work. You know, in this whole thing, why aren't people concerned for this girl? Why are they using this girl? Whenever she's free, why is everybody angry? Why is it that now they turn to Paul and Silas and now they want them beaten? They want all these horrible things to happen to them. People, you are watching spiritual warfare unfold right in front of you. It goes from one darkness to another darkness. The kingdom of God is revealing its liberating power. We're seeing the love of God being displayed upon this one who is demon-possessed, and we see the people in vileness and in arrogance and also in wickedness. They want their demon child back. All right. So they want to be beaten with rods. Verse 23. And when they had laid many stripes, you'll notice that, When they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a a charge, the jailer put them into the inner prison and uh, fastened their feet in the stocks. So they're not going to be getting up and going anywhere. But at midnight, when Paul and Silas were what? Praying. Let me ask you something. What would you have been doing? Anybody? What would you have been doing? Oh, we would have been praying. We would have been making friendship bread. <laughs> no, you want me to tell you what you would have been doing? I don't understand, Paul. You said we were serving Jesus. God promised that he was going to protect us, right? God said he was going to be with us always, even until the end of the age. And I don't understand it. We're out here living, doing the best we can. You know, I I haven't been able to do half the stuff I want to do. And I've been giving up all my time. I've been going on these missionary trips with you because after all, Paul, you got this thing about winning the world. And anyway, so I go out here with you, Paul. And you know, the only thing that's happened is we've gotten the pudding beat out of us. And now they've locked us in a sewer that they call a prison. Well, buddy, um... I know you may not like things that have happened, but uh, you reckon we could pray and sing to the Lord tonight? You're kidding. Oh, that's what we are. That's exactly who we are. We want to look at the story. We want to pretend it's him. But doesn't that happen today? You're not locked in a dungeon. Things are not horrible at a given moment. But isn't that what we do? 
I mean, things start going bad and we start saying, but the Lord said he was going to protect us. But the Lord said he was going to be with us. The Lord hung on a cross. The Lord was beaten unmercifully. And Jesus said, if I, the master of the house, have been called Satan, how much more will they say about you? We, above all people, are not immune to hardship, pain, and suffering. We are supposed to be the ones that show forth to the world of God's grace, even in suffering. We're the testimony. And saints, we are blessed. Blessed beyond measure. So here's what happens. Verse 25. It says, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening. The world's not simply listening, it's watching. That's the truth. The world's watching because it wants to see who you are, what you've made of. We, we're good at talking the talk, but the world wants to know, do you walk the walk? Are these Christ's feet? Is this his living sacrifice put into this world to show forth the glories of God? We bear a cross. That's what we bear. We take up his cross and we follow him where he goes. And I've got news for you. You see Jesus, you see how he interacted with people, but Jesus is there with Paul and Silas. It was Jesus who liberated that woman from those demons. And it is Jesus who is in that prison with them, and it is Jesus who is also locked in those stocks down there with them. Except for one thing. Though Jesus is in them, Jesus is also everywhere. He's God. And he's working in the hearts of those prisoners as they're listening. He's working in the hearts of those people who locked him up. He's getting ready to perform a mighty miracle. But people before God will do many miracles in this world. He needs us to be willing to step out in faith and to be what he needs us to be so he can show his glory to people. So let's move on real quick. Let's see. And when they had laid many stripes on them, threw them in the prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. And having received such a charge, he put them in the inner prison. He put fast to them in stocks. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were singing hymns, and the prisoners were listening to them. Verse 26. Suddenly. So they're there. They are there. And they're praying, and they're praising God. They're not saying, woe is me, but they're praising God. Many times the scripture says that they were accounted worthy to suffer for Christ. They recognize that it's not just the magistrates. It's not just the Romans. That's not who they're fighting against. It is the enemy that is desiring to discourage, to tear down, to make them not want to do this anymore, to make them turn tail and run. But they are doing the exact opposite. You have beaten me. You have hurt me. You have... Uh, in essence, giving me many, many reasons to turn my tail and run, but what am I going to do? I'm going to pray and I'm going to worship. So that's what they do. When they're down and out, when you look at the apostles, here's spiritual warfare for you in living color. 
When they're hurting, when they've been beating, beaten, what do they do? They begin to pray and to worship. They're asking for God's grace and help, but they're also praising him for even the situation that they find themselves in because God is well able to deliver them. Where we miss it, and I think one of the most powerful aspects of spiritual warfare that is forgotten within the church is worship. We think that we worship in the church alone, and that's not it. Worship, saints, is, is you singing the high praises of God, attributing ultimate worth to God, that he is greater than anything, any other thing that ever has been. He is the great. He is the answer. He is your hope. He is your strength. He is your strong. He is your life. You need to be doing that. When the enemy is trying his best to tear your soul apart with the various things that you are uh, experiencing, praise and worship people. Praise and worship lifts you above the circumstances. It does. You say, can you prove that, Pastor? I have lived it time and time again, and you're seeing it on the pages right here in Scripture. A Christian that fails to truly worship, not just pray, but to truly worship and to talk to God and to love Him is missing a vital, a vital. Let me tell you this. You're cutting off an artery. You're just pinching that artery of life's blood coming from Christ right to yourself. If you learn how to worship and to be thankful in the midst of tragedy, God will change your life. Okay, so anyway, i got to finish. The prisoners were listening. Verse 26, suddenly there, were, there was a great earthquake. Now, of course, make you a little nervous. But anyway, there's a great earthquake so that the foundation of the prison were, the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were loosed. Obviously a miracle. God reaches down and absolutely shakes this place. It's trembling. Now let me ask you what you would have done. I'm just curious. Just curious. So you're sitting there. Some of y'all are in prison for some bad stuff. We know what you did. Don't try to pretend. Y'all were in prison, and then all of a sudden it shakes, the prison doors open up, and your chains fall off. What you going to do? I can tell you what I would have done. Y'all would have said, Shane, what you think? Shane? <laughs> Shane, are you? What happened to Shane? <laughs> you ain't never going to catch me, boy. I'm heading for the hill. Paul would have said, stay, and I'd be, I'll see you later, Paul. Catch you in Corinth. No, anyway. But no, this happens. This miracle happens. These shackles fall off. Everybody is in awe. And I imagine the Spirit of God is incredibly powerful at that moment. Verse 27, and the keeper of the prison, awaking from sleep, because well, they did. Waking from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing that the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he was going to be killed for it anyway. But Paul called out with a loud voice saying, do not harm yourself for we are all here. Now you might think in spiritual warfare, hold on, the doors are open. Shackles came off. God's telling you to go, right? We would assume that. You'd said, thank you, Jesus, and walked on. No. Paul knew something else was happening. You ready for this? 
the witnesses. Every person there was a witness to the power of God and what God was getting ready to do for them. Every person in that prison was a candidate, a potential person to give his heart to the Lord Jesus Christ and especially the jailer. He had a head for the hills, but he didn't. He didn't. He's there. And so what happens? Well, Paul called out with a loud voice, do not harm, do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Then, of course, the uh, guard calls for a light. He ran in and he fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. You think? That's the difference. These are the people that want to beat your brains out until they see something like this and then they realize we better stop. So he falls down before Paul and Silas and he brought them out and he says these words, are you ready? Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Saved from sin, saved from, you know, eternal death, saved from hell, saved from all this garbage that is in this world. What do I need to do to be saved? So think about it. He's out there preaching and teaching and loving and doing all these things, and he winds up in prison, beaten and thrown in prison and all those things, and rather than mully-grubbing, there's a good southern term, mully-grubbing about everything, he begins to worship and praise and to seek God and to love the Lord. And what ends up happening? God miraculously delivers him, but rather than running out, they stay so that God's glory may have meaning and purpose. Nobody's ever going to run behind them and say, oh, well, they just got loose, got free, and just ran away. No, the world will know what happened here today, that God delivered us. And so this man comes to him and says, what do I need to do? What must I do to be saved? Verse 31, so they said, believe, believe on the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved you and your household. Now, i got to stop there. I'll pick it up. Spiritual warfare requires us to get our eyes off of self and circumstances and to focus upon God. The enemy is going to come, and he's going to attack you whether you like it, and he will come at you any way he can. He will use simple life circumstances, or he will create and work out circumstances in your life, anything to disrupt you, to get you hurting, to get you angry, to draw you away from God. What we must do is to bring all of our thoughts, all of our imaginations, all those things that are warring against our soul and mind, we have to bring them into, a, what is it, captivity to the obedience. Bring them into captivity, grab them, snare them, and say, no, That is not where I'm going. I'm not going to believe that garbage. I'm not going to give in to it. I am going to believe what God said, but there's your biggie. You have to know what God said. And on top of that, you have to commune with God that you may know his Holy Spirit as he witnesses through the word to know his heart and to know his nature. Because whenever you know God, you recognize that you're not in that prison because God has forsaken you. You're in that prison so that you might be a witness to every person that is around you. Because just as your Savior suffered, he is calling you to fulfill his sufferings. And then while you are in that situation, what do you do? We don't complain. We rise above it. We sing. We praise. We worship. It is all and always has been about Jesus Christ. 
Whenever we get our eyes off of self and circumstances and we put them back on Christ and we begin to sing and to worship him. Saints, if you don't know what to say, and I have been in these situations. I have been in difficult situations where the enemy has attacked, and I didn't know what to say or do. I felt like when I prayed, my prayers were just hitting the ceiling. But you know what I did? I praised anyway. I'd pick a song of worship and adoration to God, and my body would absolutely say, you don't feel like it you don't mean it and i'd say to my body i don't care what i feel like because god's still god no matter how i feel you say well 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 is this really going to make a difference well i'm going to tell you something else i don't care if it makes a difference because my god is worthy I'm just here to worship him. I'm not worshiping him just to get out of the circumstance. As a matter of fact, God, if you need me here another 10 years, here's where I'm going to be. But I do know this, God, I will not listen to Satan. I will not listen to his lies anymore. I choose to love you and to worship you, and you are just as good, ever good, as you were the day you saved my soul from sin. And I believe, Father, that I'm going to stand with you no matter what. Here's one for you. Come hell or high water. I'm still going to stand with you, Lord. And you worship and you praise anyway. And you love him. Because as the Bible says, having done all, we stand. Stand in him, worshiping and loving him. If you haven't learned to worship saints, worship, worship, worship. Every day, take some time. Take you 15, 20 minutes a day and just sing to him. Sing to him. You say, I can't sing. He don't care. Sing to him. As the musicians are coming, our worship team. Yeah, I ran over today. Um, Y'all take 3% off of my salary in 2087. Father, I have tried sincerely to be faithful to your word, and I pray that your word has gone out and that, Father, it has found fertile ground. Father, I pray that we would see how important it is to look to you, to recognize that the enemy is always trying to just corrupt, pervert, in some way just hurt us, Father, and to draw our eyes from you. But, Father, you if we will come to you, if we stay focused on you, if we will sing to you, Father, if we will love you above the circumstance, Jesus, there's nothing you can't do. Father, I pray you bless and keep your people today. May they respond as you speak to them in Jesus' name. Thanks. If you feel God dealing with your heart and you would like special prayer when they are singing, you don't need to let somebody grab you or something like that. As they're singing, just step out, walk down. I'll be happy to pray with you. If you just want some time with you and Jesus, you feel God leading you. There's room to my right and left. You can stand, kneel. Uh, you can even sit on the front row if you want to. Second thing, your relationship with Jesus. If you're not right with Jesus or you don't know Jesus, or let's say somebody's injured you in your relationship with Jesus, please don't leave without him, okay? If everyone will please stand.